Good morning. Welcome to Bethlehem Lutheran Church, where God has called and gathered us here this day to receive his gifts through his word. The Old Testament reading for Oculi, the third Sunday in Lent, is from Exodus chapter 8. Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth, so that it may become gnats in all the land of Egypt. And they did so. Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff and struck the dust of the earth, and there were gnats on man and beast. All the dust of the earth became gnats in all the land of Egypt. The magicians tried by their secret arts to produce gnats, but they could not. So there were gnats on man and beast. Then the magicians said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them, as the Lord had said. Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and present yourself to Pharaoh as he goes out to the water and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. Or else, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants and your people and into your houses. And the houses of the Egyptians shall be filled with swarms of flies and also the ground on which they stand. But on that day I will set apart the land of Goshen, where my people dwell, so that no swarms of flies shall be there, that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. Thus I will put a division between my people and your people. Tomorrow this sign shall happen. And the Lord did so. There came great swarms of flies into the house of Pharaoh and into his servants' houses, Throughout all the land of Egypt, the land was ruined by the swarms of flies. This is the word of the Lord. The intro, which we shall read responsively by whole verse. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. O guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. The epistle is from Ephesians chapter 5. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not be even named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, 
has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ in God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not associate with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 11th chapter. Now Jesus was casting out a demon that was mute. When the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke, and the people marveled. But some of them said, He casts out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. While others, to test him, kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a divided household falls. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest. And finding none, it says... I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. As he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you, and the breasts at which you nursed. But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And how important that peace is right at this very moment. When the world seems to be going crazy with panic and fear. And a lot of the times it makes us wonder, why exactly is everyone panicking? Why is the world so afraid of this virus? And we can have a few answers to that question. We, we can recognize that, well, this is a new Virus. This isn't normally how things go. That's why we don't get as flustered about the flu and things like that is because, well, the flu has been around for a while. It's not new. We consider flu season to be a normal part of life, whereas this is most certainly not normal. And we can also recognize that perhaps the media is not being as helpful as we would wish that they were going to be. And we can recognize that in this day and age, whereas in the past it would sometimes take you 
weeks and maybe even months to realize that there even was a pandemic that was going on, that nowadays we can learn about what's going on over in China like that. We know instantly, every single time somebody dies from the coronavirus here in Kansas or in the United States. And ultimately, that's where the fear comes from. That's where the panic comes from. To put it simply, people are afraid of dying. They are afraid of not even necessarily themselves dying, but their loved ones dying, grandpa dying, or their kids getting it. And thankfully, it seems that children are being spared from this particular strain of virus, but at the same time, we recognize that it's pretty natural to be afraid of death. This then does make me wonder, though, why are we not afraid of the real source of death? Why are we not afraid of the original sin that's inside of us that has caused all death to happen in this entire world? And it goes back a little bit to what we talked about a second ago. Original sin is old. It is, in fact, original. It goes back all the way to the very beginning, and it's normal. Everyone has original sin. Everyone is a sinner. It's not something that's out of the ordinary for us. It's just part of our daily, everyday lives. And at the same time as we have that, at the same time as we are used to the regular patterns of our sin, the truth is that the media, the entire world, and even we ourselves are constantly telling ourselves that sin is okay. That it doesn't matter what God wants. It doesn't matter what the Ten Commandments say. It doesn't matter what the Word of God tells us. That's what sin does to us. It makes us not care about the Word of God, and it makes us, therefore, break the Word of God. So then, ultimately, why is it that we don't fear the real source of death? That we don't fear sin like we fear the coronavirus? Because most people truly don't believe in sin. Most people truly don't believe that they have some sort of inherent corruption inside of them that is going to kill them one day. In fact, it's fairly difficult for most of us to even really acknowledge the fact that we all will die one day. It's going to happen. And so because of that, when something forces us to confront that truth, when something comes along that breaks us out of the regular routine of our lives and forces us to realize the truth that death is just around the corner for any of us. It's easy to panic. It's easy to become afraid. It's easy 
to let that fear and that panic to control you. And this hopefully leads us to wonder, well, how are we supposed to react to things like this? What are we supposed to do during a time of panic and fear? And our intro it for today is the perfect answer to that question. Listen again one more time to our intro it for today. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me for I am lonely and afflicted. The reason that we as Christians tend to not freak out as much about pandemics and death and whatever else is going on in the world is because we know who we've trusted our souls to. Or at least, hopefully, we do. Who have you trusted your soul to? Did you trust it to yourself? I certainly hope not. We, we are all quite aware of the mistakes that we made, and we are all quite aware that, really, we probably shouldn't be trusted with all that much of anything, let alone our very own souls, because of that original sin that's inside of us. Well, all right, if you're not trusting perhaps yourself as an individual, well, what about humanity? Is humanity worth trusting your soul to? Maybe, if nothing else, that's what the coronavirus has revealed to us, that humanity, not all that trustworthy when it comes to crises and disasters. Well, what about the devil? I doubt that any of us are going to consciously or willingly trust our souls to the devil, but the devil is sneaky, sly, and devious. And he's not going to come to you with horns and a pitchfork. He's going to come to you in ways that make you feel like he's the only one that you can trust. He's going to come to you and He's going to put just enough of a lie into a truth or just enough of a truth into a lie to make you trust him more than you trust God. Because that's what he's always trying to do. Although, to be frank, he actually doesn't even care all that much if you trust in him. He just doesn't want you to trust in God. And so if that means making you to trust in the media, or the government, or yourself, or your family, or your friends, as long as you're trusting in those things more than you're trusting in God, then the devil is happy. 
And of course, we do recognize who we are truly supposed to trust with our souls. We are supposed to trust our God and Father, our Lord and Savior, the very person who died on the cross for us in order to prove to us and in order to make sure that we would be saved. The one who, in fact, died on the cross for our souls, to become a refuge for our souls. Our intro talks about him, talks about how the God who is the guardian of our souls will pluck our feet from the net, will pluck us out of this coronavirus pandemic. One way or another, he will deliver us from it. He won't let us be put to shame. He's not going to let our enemies exult over us, even despite all of the panic that's going on around us. He will bring us out of our distress, for he will consider our afflictions and trouble. It isn't as if he doesn't know what's going on. And that's not even just talking about right now in this sort of crisis. Our Lord always knows what we're going through. Our Lord is always there with us, considering our afflictions and our trouble, and he has promised that he will bring us out of that distress. And one of the main ways that he does this for us, one of the main ways that he helps us to be calm and peaceful, is that he does forgive our sins. He solves that deep down problem inside of us, the source of, for many of us, the vast majority of our fears and panic. He solves the problem. He forgives all of our sin, even that original sin that is down inside of us, the very thing that causes us to die. Christ died for that. Christ died to earn our forgiveness for even that, for even the corruption of our nature. This is the one who we trust our souls to. This is the one who we take refuge in. Not because of some vague idea that he's all-powerful, not because we have some hints or whispers that maybe he's a good God. No, we trust in him because he died for us, because he proved it to us, because he has promised that even if we should die, he will raise us from the dead. He has solved the problem that is causing so many right now to be panicked, to be afraid. And we, as Christians, have an opportunity to reach out into the world and to not be afraid, to not panic, to have that peace that passes understanding, the peace that is in our souls. And so, even though we don't need to be afraid, we can still be prepared. We don't need to worry, we don't need to panic, we don't need to stress, because we know what's going to happen if we die. And we know that God is in control of all things. 
And we know that we can pray to him, that we can talk to him and tell him our fears, tell him our anxieties, and that he will deliver us from them eventually. But at the same time as we know that, at the same time as we recognize that we need not be afraid, that doesn't mean that we can stop following the fifth commandment. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't do everything in our power to try and stem the tide of this. And you all have probably heard over and over and over again through the many ways that they're telling us how to do that. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. If you're sick, don't go out. All of these things. And you are free to do those. And you should do those. Because we are called to care for our neighbor. We are called to care for the physical health of those around us. We are also called, though, to consider the weaker brother. To recognize that these people who are afraid and these people who are panicking, they are truly afraid. They are truly panicking. That feels real to them because it is real to them. Jesus doesn't laugh at our fears, afflictions, and troubles. He doesn't scoff at us when we're in distress. Even though he knows what's going to happen, he knows that everyone who believes in him will be with him. Despite that, though, he doesn't just pretend that nothing's wrong. Instead, he joins us in our afflictions. He stays with us in our distress. He shares our anxieties and our fears and our panic. Not in a way that he's afraid and that he's panicking, but he's there with us during them. And we are free to be those people for those around us as well. Free to reach out into a world that is currently terrified and panicking and bring to them the peace that passes all understanding. The peace of knowing that our souls are safe. That we are found in the refuge of Christ. The peace that comes when you know that God has it all under control. And when you trust him to take care of you, one way or another. And we are free to do that. We are free to reach out into this world and to share that peace with all those around us. Now may that peace, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.